0: Well, I'd like to get started, if we can get the rowdies in the front row to sit down here. So, uh,
1: That's
0: okay. They don't pay any attention to me anyway. I'm Bruce Steffes. I'm a general surgeon and the head of, uh, the CEO of the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons. And uh, what we're here to do today is to answer your questions. It's not really a lecture per se, although there's some concepts and some difficulties that are kind of, uh, ubiquitous to anybody seriously considering surgery. I'd like to kind of know who's here. Uh, how many are medical students? Great number. Okay. A residence? Okay. Anybody in private practice considering surgery? Okay. A thing. All right. Um, again, this is highly informal. If you have questions, we've got a series of highly experienced uh, missionary surgeons sitting here in the room. And uh, so this is kind of an idea... Uh, a chance to, to ask your questions. There are no questions that are too dumb. Uh, if you don 't know, then we need to get you an answer. and uh, if you have some ideas uh, about things and want to know how to do things or not do things, uh, we'll be glad to talk about that. I want to talk about beforehand though, Uh, Some certain principles that we have seen with Pan-African Academy of people coming into the program and some issues where they've stumbled or had problems and and, uh, where we found that we didn't do a good job in preparing them and so forth. So I want to just talk about those issues. Uh, First of all, it takes a lot longer to get ready for the mission field than you think it does. Just because you decided that today it's a good idea doesn't mean you can go tomorrow and uh, you will have some difficulties if you don't properly prepare. It's not as hard to do that and do it well as you think it is. It just takes a little bit of planning, uh, and uh, certainly if you procrastinate, it's going to take longer. Uh, one of the biggest issues that we have seen is so many physicians come to the admission field and they think, well, gee, they need me so badly that I can skip language school. Uh, that has been... Almost uniformly, a disaster uh, when that happens uh, because you can't communicate with your patients. And even in countries where you're going to have multiple languages, of course, you're not going to learn them all at once. But as you prepare to go, I would just, my best advice is make sure that you spend enough time getting prepared uh, to at least be able to ask where the bathrooms are and the important questions uh, of life. Uh, and uh, most importantly, if you do not properly prepare, it uh, it's all nice to say well god will give me get me through but if you're failing to prepare you're preparing to fail and uh you you really need to stop and think this through to make yourself as successful as you need to be now, one of the big questions for residents is, well, how do I select the right residency? What residency out there will make me highly spiritual and competent to do anything uh, that involves the skin and its contents? Uh, and uh, the answer is there isn't such a residency in the United States. Uh, we have some open time a little bit later, and we'll ask uh, some of the folks in the audience who know a little bit more about this, uh, you know, some ideas that they have. But frankly, there is no good residency that I know of and that's why if you know one, I want to know about it, that will teach you how to, to really be a good missionary surgeon. What is true is, as you know, there's a constant battle about whether or not you can get your cases counted overseas and whether you can go and whether that's vacation. And, and some of the people in this room are actually in the forefront of fighting that battle uh, with, the, with the powers that be. Um, but if at all possible, certainly try to arrange one or two rotations during your five years of surgical training to get some idea what it's like so you don't walk in uh, totally naive. Uh, what is true uh, for surgeons in practice, uh, they are obviously uh, have the access to a lot of their colleagues, and they can actually scrub in on some of these other cases and learn a lot about various specialties, and they won't be properly prepared either, and so it works out fine. Uh, What is important, though, is that for both groups, whether you're in residency or whether you're in surgery, uh, there are certain things that you're going to do. Here in the United States, as you know, general surgery is breast and abdomen and trauma and whatever else nobody else wants to do. That's general surgery. Um, When you get overseas, of course, it's going to be anesthesiology, it's going to be radiology, it's going to be gastroenterology, it's going to be orthopedics, it's going to be neurosurgery, it's going to be everything. And so the more that you can pick up, uh, the better off you're going to be. Now, that's true from a surgical standpoint. From a medical standpoint, uh, tropical medicine, I will tell you that uh, that really does help you a great deal. There is a course in West Virginia. Uh, There are only about three places in the United States that actually have uh, specialty training in tropical medicine, but the course in West Virginia um, is uh, probably the best option for you. It's eight weeks, and uh, during that eight weeks, you can actually get certified in tropical medicine if you pass the exam uh, later in the year. Uh, But it's a a great opportunity and a good way to even build a two-week vacation. You can do this if you were, say, a third-year resident, go there two weeks, two weeks, and two weeks, and and actually come out of there very well qualified. Of course, there are some of the more famous ones in Liverpool and in Brussels and some other places, but I would tell you that it really does help. Uh, Partly, I guess, because of my personal bias is that a good surgeon is a good internist who can cut. Uh, Knowing tropical medicine is, is really critical. Now, somebody always comes in, well, I have a particular interest in this or a particular interest in that. The answer is go for it because there's absolutely nobody there to help you. And so uh, if you have a particular interest in something, the Lord will use that skill at some point or another. There's no wasted piece of information anywhere in your little brain that, that God can't use. Spiritual preparation is a major issue. I will tell you that uh, certainly in my residency, I didn't know that I knew that any of my attendings were Christians. Uh, they certainly didn't live like that, and, um, and I couldn't tell from the way that they lived. And so it's actually very difficult when you're working a huge number of hours and you're tired and you're exhausted to spend the time that you need to spend to make yourself spiritually prepared to go. Now, the other issue is that uh, when I started going out on the mission field a lot uh, in 1998, uh, I came across a very disturbing fact. I found out that those missionaries weren't super spiritual folks, and they weren't honestly doing a whole lot better than most of the rest of us. They struggle with this idea, and you end up having to feed yourself. So if you don't know how to cook... You better learn how to cook, and that's true in terms of the Bible as well. So, you've got to be able to feed yourself because many of the missionaries are starving from a spiritual standpoint. And if you haven't learned that skill, you're going to be in in trouble. So, certainly, Bible study and skills and so forth. One of the things from a PAC standpoint, what we have found very, very important, we are training not just general surgeons, but we are mentoring general surgeons as well. So, practice in small group studying, in one on one mentoring. uh, Teaching is very, very important. And then you know, going to the courses and the books, kind of prepare yourself as you go along. How can I mentor someone from a spiritual standpoint, which is entirely different than abusing them on rounds like we do in surgery? Uh, we need to, to, uh, to do it to learn those skills. One of the other issues that you get into is that it's very, very easy in the average medical school and in the average residency to be totally seduced by the intellectual environment, by the, the wealth that's there, by the uh, power that you get uh, in society, and to stay focused. It, you know the statistics that of all the people that enter medical school, something like only one out of a hundred who say they're going to be a missionary when they go in ever end up being a missionary going out. And so staying focused is extremely critical. Uh, CMDA has a program, no cost to this. Uh, by the way, you should all be CMDA I am supposed to throw that advertisement, and you're all supposed to join the CMDA. But uh, in the CMDA, they have a wonderful program at no cost called Your Call. And this is a series of emails and programs that they have just to remind you why you got up that morning. And it wasn't just to learn what you're going to learn. It's the fact that God has a call on you. And then there's another excellent um, email newsletter called the Epistle, uh, which is uh, basically, again, just advice and, and helping you stay focused on this. The CMDA also has a pre-field conference, orientation conference that's going to be in 2011 in April, uh, an excellent course for just kind of a weekend that's worth going to, to kind of get you focused on what you should do and how you should do it and why you're doing it. Now, from a theological standpoint, most of us in medicine are really proud of the fact that we got straight A's and we had you know, the big grades and so forth, but we often tend to be theologically naive and not particularly well-educated. And so one of the things that I would suggest, I suggest to all of our residents that are interested in coming out to us, is take a New Testament Bible survey course or an Old Testament survey course and maybe a systematic theology so that you have some idea in a real fashion why you believe what you believe in a much more rigorous standpoint than I went to Sunday school every week. That's slightly different than actually being able to look in the Bible and defend what you believe uh, as well. Uh, If you have time, if you have uh, spare time, which, of course, residency and spare time don't really match, um, certainly taking some courses online, with the, or if you want to spend time going to seminaries or colleges or Bible institutes, taking online courses for residencies and and so forth are an excellent way to, to establish this. Having said all that, most of us are going to have a rough time. And so in the notes that I gave you there, I have given you... Uh, CMDA's suggested reading list, plus one that I've come up with for myself as well. So there's a nice list of, of books that will help you in terms of worldview, uh, preparing you, uh, getting you aware of what's really happening there. So creating a program reading. Now, that is also slightly different than being prepared for being a missionary, which is another whole issue. So the missiological preparation... Uh, again, there are college and seminary courses that you might be able to work in if, if at all possible. Certainly coming to conferences like this and, and thinking about the, the theory behind things, why we do things, why it works, et cetera, is helpful. Uh, one of the things that I have found very helpful is the perspectives course. Uh, that's a superb course that you can do on your own uh, that will give you a good sense on a sense of where uh, mission uh, is going in, uh, in 2010. And again, on that reading list, there are some books that you can can read as well. What's equally important is that one of of the problems that we have is coming out of medical school and and residency is that we don't have a good relationship with our church. Uh, We've been on call every other weekend. We don't know who's there, etc. And it becomes very important to be grounded with a group of people who care for you, pray for you, uh, hopefully will give you money, uh, who, will, who will support you in this whole mechanism. So getting involved with your church in a very real fashion, not just I show up on Sunday uh, when I'm not on call, is a very important concept. Most of the mission agencies require that you have a home church in which you have a significant relationship. And uh, it was interesting because I was talking to uh, some folks uh, recently, and they seemed to be shocked that uh, the mission hospital would care what their theology was. And I, you know, it was kind of like, whoa. So, what you need to do, honestly, if God is calling you to a certain place, you have to start to get pretty realistic about who's running the hospital, what agency is involved, and does your theology match that? Because uh, for you to come for a short term is perhaps no big deal. You can. Uh, Whether or not uh, you believe the, the seventh trumpet is gold or silver may not be too important. But on the other hand, if you're going to be there for a lifetime, you've got to have some sort of synchrony with this. And if you are Calvinistic in a Wesleyan area or vice versa or some of these other things, it becomes a significant problem. So you have to start thinking about that and creating a relationship that will work in the environment where you believe God has called you to be. Cross-cultural. You know, ideally you'd spend time in that country to where you're going, so you have some some understanding of that. There are certainly lifelong, successful missionary physicians who first saw that country when they showed up the first day. Uh, It can be done, but I think for most of us, having some idea what we're getting into is helpful. So if you can have experience, that's great. Uh, One of the big issues, though, is just the whole concept of cross-cultural training in and of itself. Uh, We as surgeons uh, tend to think that... uh, they will do what we tell them, and uh, that should be the end of the problem, and it doesn't work that way. And so it's very helpful. Often the agencies that you're going with will have a uh, a course, a mandated course that you have to go through, but if you're going to a place where they don't have that, I would strongly recommend that you find one and go to it anyway. Uh, the missionary training, uh, what is that? MTI? Uh, International has an excellent course in Colorado Springs. There are others. Uh, They didn't pay me enough to to sponsor this one more than that. Um, But there are some excellent courses out there, and it's worth going out there to get some idea. It is the cross-cultural stuff that gets you more than anything else, and uh, it quits sometime about the time you die. And, And so it's a chronic, ongoing problem, and, again, some reading will help you with some of that as well. Now, if you're interested in surgical education, with Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons, we are a ministry of Christian Medical and Dental Association, which is using mission hospitals to train African physicians to be essentially missionary surgeons or at least Christian surgeons in their country. And so one of the things that we have found is that we all trained in a program But there's a lot of difference between knowing how to show up at ground rounds and then fully understanding what the curriculum is behind it and the principles and the theories and how do you deal with a recalcitrant learner and all these other issues that are there. Um, If you're still in residency, um, most of the residents are not the least bit interested in this. And so uh, if you go to your program director and say that this kind of interests me, uh, they'll think you're weird, but they'll love to have you there because they've got to have residents on all the committees and all that sort of thing. One of the things that they will do is there's an excellent Surgeon as Educators course, which is held every September. It's a part of the American College of Surgeons. Uh, several thousand dollars, which is why you want your program to pay for it, not yourself. And, uh, but it's an excellent course in the principles of surgical education, curricular development, evaluation, feedback, et cetera. Each year, they also have a postgraduate course. Uh, that is a one-day course, which is an excellent one day uh, into this whole process as well. Uh, As you are in your residencies, uh, learn and volunteer to be on your local residency committee so that you will learn the kinds of hassles that they have to go through. You you learn answers to that. You learn how to handle the difficult residents, the discipline problems, the people who who, uh, need to be dismissed, all those other kinds of of, uh, things that you'll run into on the mission field as well. Um, There are other program training, uh, director training courses that are out there. Again, my point is be intentional about this because it is not part of your regular surgical curriculum and you won't learn it unless you look for it. But I will tell you, this is the stuff that will just drive you nuts uh, if you don't have some experience uh, as you come into it. Uh, We mentioned the local residency committee. Now, one of the things that I have over the last several years been recommending to people is that um, when they get out of their residency, if there is a way that you can have a one or two or three year academic position uh, as a, uh, in, in your organization, I would strongly suggest you consider taking that or working on that. And the reason why is, is that when you are the associate professor of whatever uh, at this particular program, That is seen in, in our case, Africa and other countries as being something of significant uh, influence. Now, we know that the junior assistant uh, program is is in charge of maybe house cleaning or whatever it is, but it looks good on paper and uh, it's, it's really helpful. The second thing is it does give you a chance to kind of uh, get your skills under mentorship before you go to an environment where you're not uh, in that sort of area. And perhaps equally important, once you're over there, you will find that uh, if you get involved with the local societies and so forth, it's sometimes very valuable for you to bring to the table for a conference, I've got a group of people who have expertise in this and that and the other thing. And so that you might be able to arrange your Colleagues from home coming, and it brings prestige and brings face uh, to the to the situation and has some success uh, on the other hand, the other advantage of this is coming back to the United States after four years of being overseas it 's sometimes very difficult to get a job because in today 's environment, you are now out of date, and it, yet if you have this relationship with a group a, a party uh, uh, university, uh, they've already kind of been vouching for you and they'll give you a job and you can, can work and, and not have problems with the malpractice issues, etc. So there, I think there's some real distinct advantages to you from both a practical standpoint and from a teaching standpoint uh, as we go. Um, one of the other things that we can do within PACS, within our board, we have uh, several training programs represented And uh, one of the things that we're recommending is if you have no experience with surgical training programs, to come spend two to four weeks at a place just being mentored by one of our program directors that will help you learn the skills that you need that may become helpful to you in the future. Perhaps one of the most important things is there are two or three major reasons why people leave the field. Number one is the the other missionaries. Uh, Number two is family. Okay, and so what's very, very important is while you may feel that God has called you to go off to do something, you have to make sure that your family is in sync with that. Not your extended family, but your wife and your children. It won't work if you're fighting them for the next 15 or 20 years. So you have to spend time with your family and with your children and make sure this is a shared vision. It's a shared calling that you have unity or it won't really work. The other issue is that if they're going over there, most all of them will want to have some sort of sense that they are providing meaning, substance to the ministry. And so uh, sometimes certainly it is most appropriate that, uh, for example, a wife with several children, her real ministry is to her family, and that's absolutely appropriate. But she has to be comfortable with that. On the other hand, if she has other skills or other abilities that she would like to use, We have to look and and start working on that preparation so that uh, he or she does not feel uh, like they're some sort of fifth wheel. We've already mentioned the language uh, acquisition. Please consider that much more important than we do. Uh, Now, one of the problems is that we as surgeons are usually terribly left-brained, and language is a right brain skill. And so we struggle with this and don't like it and think, well, just get me in the operating room. They're asleep anyway. I don't have to talk to them. Um, (laughs) Still not. Uh, what we often will do is we'll say, well, gee, there are so many people, there's such, such a tyranny of the urgent that we just will skip this part. I will tell you that almost all the missionaries I know of who have skipped it have regretted it and wish they'd go back uh, as well. What did you say, Kier? Yeah, suffer. suffer. My, the other issue, uh, I wish the folks from MedSend would get up here so they could give you their sermon. Um, as you know, the average... Uh, medical school graduate right now owes $160,000. It's very hard to go anywhere when you owe people $160,000, and agencies won't even let you go with that. So, again, as medical students, as residents, please don't buy the latest this and the latest that. Live within your means. Don't borrow money if you can help it. Uh, be able to go because there are people who will literally never go. And what they say is, well, I'll just stay home in the United States until I've paid off my bills. And they never go because it just becomes too seductive. It's just too easy to stay here. So uh, if you – I was talking with the president of medicine just this afternoon, uh, Rick Allen, and he says that once again they have more money than they have people. What a pleasant problem. Okay? So – uh, the answer is, don't let money get in your way. It turns out that if it's God's will, it's his bill. Don't worry about it. Uh, do what's common sense in terms of not raising your, your debt any more than necessary. But if you've made that mistake, don't let that keep you from following what God would have you do in your life. One of the questions I get all the time, should I subspecialize? I'm really interested in you know, transplant of the left ear or you know something like that. Um, I really think, honestly, there's no Bible verse. There's a couple in Hezekiah and maybe one in 2nd Condominiums, but there's no real Bible verse that applies to this. I think what is true is that God can use any skill that you have, but on the other hand, you have no skill that God needs. God needs your availability, not your ability. And yet, on the other hand, it's clear that we were given the gifts. The scriptures say that Jesus gave us our spiritual gifts, be picked them out for us. And so I think, honestly, if you have a particular interest in something, and God is what's, has called you to do that and have great interest, I don't know where it's going to fit. It may not fit in the standard mission situation. It may be that if you're a liver transplant surgeon, that being in the jungles of Gabon is probably not a good, good idea for that. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, there may be something else out there. Uh, medicine is one of the few things that you can get in as a, as a Christian to virtually any country in the world, and it may be that God's calling you to do something a little bit different than the black bag evangelism or or doing traditional mission area. The answer is follow what God would have you do. Now, having said that, it may well be that he isn't going to use that skill either. It may be that your greatest sacrifice of praise is the fact that you really love to do X, but you're not going to because you're doing what the Lord's asked you to do, and that's okay too. Now, what are your options to serve? I really want to be a missionary surgeon. Well, how do I do this? Well, for most missionary surgeons, you're going to be working in a situation where you're going to work under an agency that runs the mission hospital. And I have had certainly a lot of people say, well, gee, you know, I'm a strong X denomination, but the other denomination runs this hospital. It probably is not going to be a place where you're going to work very well. Uh, it's their rules, their game, and uh, that's a problem for you. So. You've got to to deal with that. The second is is that you may be, I don't want to necessarily go out underneath that, but you can work under one agency and be uh, working in another place, being seconded as a a physician. And some of the places work real well with this. Uh, World Medical Mission has um, done a great job of this, and and they second people to all sorts of denominations on a regular basis. We have come up with a couple of uh, progr- uh, areas that are going to work well with PACS uh, called Global Outreach International out of Tupelo. Uh, that is not to be confused with the Global Outreach out of Buffalo. Now, there's two of them. And then there's a Go Ye Fellowships in Pasadena. And these uh, programs will allow uh, you to be a little bit more flexible in your theology and still work in a hospital without uh, causing trouble. So we can help you work through that. But uh, sometimes that's a problem, and we don't have the answers. If you want to talk to various agencies and want to know whether the secundum, we've had a long list of questions that we came up with. I'd be glad to share those with you, and you can see whether that agency is going to, to go. Now, one of the issues that we get into is that no surgeon wants to be dependent on anybody else. Nobody wants to raise money. Okay. Number one is it's not as hard to raise money as you think it is. Now, you'll see a lot of church planners and other, other groups that will spend a year and a half, two years, three years trying to raise funds. Uh, the average time for most physicians is less than six months uh, because they're so surprised that you actually are not going to stay in the United States and make money that uh, either that or your personality says they'll pay to get rid of you. I'm not sure which it is, <laughs> but it's not hard to raise money uh, as a physician. It's hard to raise as much money as you might like uh, you know, for the, your following projects, but uh, don't be too concerned about this. You have to realize this is truly a biblical model. This is not a matter of, uh, well, gee, I'll give God a break and I'll do my part. Jesus Christ himself was supported by other people and during his ministry. Uh, there are some excellent books in your reading list there about how to raise support and how philosophically to look at this. What is important to realize is that um, this, there, there are literally hundreds of people that you know are looking for a good way to support missions, and they don't know who to trust anymore. They don't know which organization, but they know you, and they would be thrilled to support you. And I will tell you that on occasion, you think, well, gee, you know, you really can't afford to do that, and you have to understand is that they are getting a blessing out of this. They're doing it for their own benefit. Uh, You do not have the right to rob other peoples of their blessings from God. And so giving them an opportunity to come along, and people will pray for you much more when they're sending a check. You know, you'll get a lot of things, I need your support, well, I'll pray for you. Well, you may or may not get that one. If you get a check along with it, uh, at least get prayed when they're writing, Uh, and so that's important to keep that in mind. They say there's some excellent books in there, and the agencies that you go with will teach you how to do this. So please don't not go because I have to raise my own money or because that scares me. Uh, the real answer is you might actually have to be dependent on God. Get used to it, okay? You will be there quite often. So how do you do this? How do you select a missionary sending agency? That's a major, major uh, difficulty, and we can talk about that a little bit later. You may not have a whole lot of choice if you're going to a given hospital. That hospital was set up by that agency. They will only take people from that agency. If you feel that God's calling you to serve at that hospital, you need to go with that uh, sending agency in their areas. What arises with that? Well, gee, you know, I'd really like to do this, but I didn't grow up in that denomination. You have to decide to whether you can do that. Um, some agencies will pay you. Others do it by faith, and you have to decide whether you're going to do that. Um, one of the issues is how much autonomy do I want to do? If you go in as part of a team, guess what? You're part of a team. You can't do what you want to do. And so that's going to be an issue that you have to address. And the other issue is is that in most of the faith-based agencies, of the money that you raise, anywhere from 10 to 18% or so, will go for supporting the overhead of the agency. Now, there are some agencies that don't do that, but not very many. Most of them take a big chunk out of any money that you raise because that's how they're supporting themselves as well. You have to decide philosophically. One of the things that um, Scott Reichenbach here, the head of the post-residency program in World Medical, one of the things that's very, very important is, as you know, with that program, uh, World Medical will help pay for, give you a stipend, get you set so you can go for two years. Uh, for those people that are interested in making that into a real career, and increasingly that's all they're interested in dealing with are people that want to make it a career, starting with your relationship with your sending agency is very, very important very early on because what you can then do is start raising your funds for your future ministry with this two-year window of somebody kind of protecting you and your ministry. So start talking with them early on. Talk with the sending agency that you're going to go with very, very early, and perhaps you can do it so that you're actually fast-tracking this and doing two people at once. Now, what about PACS? We have some people that want to come in and and join with us. I would love to tell you that we have unlimited funds and unlimited people. It's not so. And what God has called us to do is a very small window, and it doesn't always work with a great number of other uh, programs that are out there. We require that all the program directors be board certified with some internationally recognized organization. We require that you have some experience in mentoring and Bible teaching, not, not bile teaching, <laughs> that's, that's the other thing, <laughs> Bible teaching, uh, <laughs> you saw that, um, that, you're, that you're experienced in that, that you have some experience, that you have to be able to, to know how to sh- uh, share your faith, that you have some experience in surgical education, you have some idea of how residency runs and the programming and the paperwork and so forth that goes behind it. Uh, We are strongly encouraging now that you've had some sort of cross-cultural training. Uh, That's been a problem for virtually everybody that's gone out. And that ideally we will not make you a program director until you've been out of residency for three years. You have some experience in terms of surgery uh, to make it work. We will not open up a new program at any new hospital unless there are at least two program directors. We have some programs now uh, that only have one uh, one person with it. And uh, one of them is here. He can glad to tell you how hard he's working. Uh, it works better to have two or three people at a place. So we will no longer open a new program with only one person. So it's, that's an important concept. The church has to be evangelical for our, from our standpoint, and it has to have a serious charity ministry, Okay. We are not going to turn away patients at our, at our programs, and so the hospital has to be willing to do that. Interesting enough, a great number of so-called mission hospitals will let somebody die on their doorstep if they don't have money. That's not how we're going to work. And the hospital has, uh, must meet the requirements. The College of Surgeons of East, Central, and South Africa, Southern Africa, which is 10 countries on the east part, and the West African College, which is 18 countries on the west side, these are the colleges that are acting kind of like JCO here does in the United States, and they have set certain standards that they will not accredit our training unless the hospital meets certain standards. And those standards are not draconian. They are basically that of a small community hospital here in the United States, but unfortunately many of our hospitals don't meet that. And so we've got to have, it turns out that having labs and Medical records and x-rays are all things that they require, and we've got to meet that. The hospital is going to have to have adequate lodging for the residents and for the physicians, and they are going to provide conference and educational support, and that's sometimes a major problem for us. We have people who come up with this, well, the Lord has called us to someplace, and we need you to start a PACS program. Number one, that isn't going to happen. Number, we need to strengthen our present programs before we expand another program. And so we are emphasizing people who are interested in this, please look at the four or five programs we have now who desperately need one, two, or three more people. It will be a lot easier on you, and it's certainly necessary for us. It doesn't do any good to go out and exhaust everybody and not accomplish much. The other thing is, while I'm going to be there for four years, I want you to open up a program. is isn't going to happen. It's a five-year program for the residents, and it takes a while to build it up. If you're not going to be there for a minimum of 10 years, we're not serious about starting a program there. And so this has to be a long-term investment in that hospital before we will consider it. We can't. It's not fair to the residents to ask them to move all the way across to Africa on their own dollar and then have you gone in two years. That isn't going to work. We've had people argue with us. Well, God has called me here, and the answer is, God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. But I, we can't. That isn't part of our vision, okay? And so we'll do what we can to help. Uh, if it fits in with our vision, we'll be glad to. But we are trying to train right now 34 residents on a total budget of $450,000. That's less. That's training 34 surgeons on what less than one surgeon's salary here in the United States, okay? We, we just don't have the luxury to do everything that we would like to do. If you are serious about working with PACS, then you need to start talking with us at least two years in advance and so that we can kind of start helping you plan this. Uh, We actually will help pay for some of these programs and some of these requirements that we have. We've got people out there that are interested in helping missionaries become prepared, but it takes a while. It isn't, I graduate next week, where can I go? That is not going to be very easy to do. We'll, believe me, we'll try, but it may not work as well as we want. So... That's kind of my statement. We've got at least uh, five or six missionary surgeons here in the audience and some other people with experience, uh, people that are training in the United States, uh, some people that are ready to go. Uh, So I think we can pretty much answer many of the questions as well as any group is going to be able to do that. So at this point, it's just kind of wide open. Let me introduce some of the folks that are here. Uh, Dr. Carl Heisch, he is a transplant surgeon from uh, Eastern Carolina University and been involved with the residency program. Uh, Dr. Bruce mcfagen who is the, was the head of the uh, surgery program at uh, uh, MC Georgia, Medical College of Georgia, he's just stepping down. Uh, Dave Thompson, who is the missionary surgeon for 32 years in Gabon and the head of the beginning of uh, PACS. Uh, Bob Cropsey, who was in. How are you, are you in Togo? It was in in Togo, West Africa, for uh, 15 years and then is now working with recruitment for ABWE. We have uh, Keir Thielander, who is uh, our program director in Bangalore, Uh, Gabon. He's uh, been there four years now, four years. Uh, Harold Adolf, who uh, started with Methuselah. Uh, And here... Harold is probably one of the most experienced uh, African surgeons that I know of. Uh, We have Steve Sparks, who's the program director at Mbingo uh, Baptist. Uh, John Pollock, who's just finished up, is going to join us in Soto, Ethiopia, next year. Uh, I'm sure there must be some other folks. Anybody else that wants to stand up and give their credentials, feel free. Uh, So um, the questions, what, what kind of questions can we have? One of the questions I'd like to ask kind of this informal panel is, if you are a... Third-year student interested in medical missions. One of the questions that comes across: Should I do family practice or should I do general surgery? And that's a common thing. So, what are your thoughts, Dave?
2: surgery very badly. <clears throat> Some of them do it reasonably well, but they, they learn a lot of people that they made mistakes on. Uh, my first uh, important I think that uh, a family practice uh, type person mm-hmm. who, who doesn't, who can't take care of uh, surg- surgical problems will be very limited uh, in their situation. There are so
0: many uh, surgical I think what is important is, if you're a family practitioner, then make sure you get a lot of surgical experience, and if you're a surgeon, make sure you get to have a lot of medical experience, because you're going to be it on, the, on either issue as well. So, I mean, in all honesty, I think it's whatever God has called you to do, but there is, I think, a, a great number of family practitioners. If you're seriously considering surgery, you already have that kind of uh, abnormal mindset, then... Uh, you will find yourself frustrated uh, when people are dying on you and, and you can't do things. So I think the answer is it's truly what God has called you to do. But uh, a, a general surgeon can always be a good physician and should be in addition to being a surgeon. So uh, there's some, obviously some bias in this room uh, along those lines. Uh, what if you wanted to be – Bruce, what if you wanted to create a – surgeon? where would you go if you were a surgeon – uh, want to be a surgical resident, what, what programs would you look here in the United States that, that might help either rural surgery, missionary surgery, uh, mentoring, support, et cetera?
2: Well, really, very few programs in the U.S. that are emphasizing or have a rotation where they can do rural surgery per se. Uh, the one I'm most familiar with is uh, one out at the uh, University of Oregon, uh, when John Hunter is the chairman, and uh, he, when he was at Emory, he's, he got interested in rural surgery and um, has carried that on. And during, I think, their third year of their residency program, they do. I know you're struggling, and we're struggling at all too. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I think it's important that you, you just deal with these things. As you go, you will get a feel, whether there are Christians at that program who would be sympathetic, Obviously, if the people that are not sympathetic towards what your interests are, and
0: that may not be the place for you to go. But it's important to get well-trained, and you've got to go get, get that, that training. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl and Premier you can speak to us. Is there, and Bob maybe, uh, is there a, an advantage of a, a community-based program versus an um, academic-based program in terms of being prepared for the mission field? Is there any... I mean, should you look at places uh, you know, in Cleveland and Grand Rapids and Ann Arbor and other places that are excellent? Are, th- are those better, or is an academic uh, program inherently better? Carl, what do you?
1: I would say just what's been said all, uh, earlier, and that is uh, I still think there's a place for where you feel most comfortable, where you feel you'll fit the best. Because if you say that you feel like you fit better in a community program, but then go to a high-powered academic place, you may not do well. Um, And basically, as I counsel our residents, and even people who come through, I basically tell them, you know, it's a decision if you want a wide span of research, which is provided like the University of Washington, where I did some of my training, or a smaller place, or a community place where people in CMDA, your local chapters, or even, you know, calling up, you know, Bruce, or having put in, You in contact with somebody or any of us here to do that. I went through residency and I was the only Christian in my program. Uh, And so I I think, you know, um, that that should not discourage you. I think if the Lord is calling you to a place that you don't know there are any Christians, go there.
0: One thing, if you tell people that the reason you want to go to this program is because you're going to be a missionary surgeon, if you're not accepted, you've answered some of your questions, okay? (laughs) Bob, what's your thought? Carefully if you're
1: interested in some academics, and not just the purely community, but pick a community hospital in an academic atmosphere. Um, I trained in St. Joe in Ann Arbor, and we actually had rotations with the university guys, and they came over to St. Joe. Uh, that doesn't happen so much anymore, but it still happens to some degree. So you get a little bit of both, and we actually have our own research program as well. It's almost all clinical stuff, so it's not high-powered micro-beatman, um, any subspecialty, <coughs> including pathology. And I think they would all say that it would have been highly beneficial. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a plus for that. And I know that program uh, has some open slots for the next few years because there's nobody in the local program that's planning on taking that fellowship. So if somebody's interested
0: in that, come and talk to me later. Kerry, you were in a community-based. What, what's your thought? community-based program. I think one of the biggest comments
2: I would make, um, not to belabor the point, but to say that what you want to look at is where do the graduates go. And if everybody that's
1: graduating is going into a minimally invasive fellowship, being groomed to be a researcher, and forced into a pigeonhole that you don't want to be in. Um, that's not to say that there aren't great places to train.
0: But the robots will come when they get to the Junk for Jesus program, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but they won't work.
2: Mm-hmm. I wanted to add one other thing too, and that is, it's, you know, your life is not only your residency, but it's outside of your residency as well. And so it's really important that you connect on a spiritual level with the community somewhere in a church. Uh, CMBA has a wonderful program called Side by Side, uh, which really works extremely well, and it's for uh, spouses of uh, residents, and uh, my wife is very involved with that in in our city. And so, you know, those are good things. Those are good support groups uh, for you and for your spouse, and getting connected with a good church and getting involved with church. You think, well, I don't have much time, but you'll find some time. And it's a good way to connect and for your spouse to connect as well. So I, w- I would encourage you to look at the whole package of this thing, not just the surgical residency
0: program. Any questions from the floor? Anybody have? Yes, sir. What
2: if you're like me and you made the wrong decision and you did family medicine? We're outnumbered in here, I think.
0: It's okay. <laughs> um, the Lord loves us all. That's
1: right. <laughs> you know, I went to med school wanting to do surgery and uh, a very disgusting Scourged in case of plantar
2: fasciitis, kept me out of surgery residency, um, but I think that was the Lord's will anyway. But I'm, I'm interested in doing, you know, African missions full time as a career, mm-hmm. and I'm looking to get some surgery skills. Now, yeah. some of the surgeons in my program, I say, teach me how to do surgery. They look at me like I have ten heads.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, there's medical legal issues and so forth in this country that become a problem. This is actually an an area that has been increasingly of interest. And we have uh, several people who have asked us to consider uh, doing that, you know, having coming along for a year or two. Um, It is totally up to the program directors. As far as PACs, that isn't what we do. Some of the program directors, though, would very much be interested in talking to you about a year or a year and a half. And we look at it as a real positive because you're coming in with a medical problem-solving Kind of you know, uh, view to it and there's, there's much of that that's of great value to our residents and uh, yet for most of what you need to do, we in most places do more C-sections and hernias and laparotomies than we ever need to do and so uh, that is something that we're looking at but there is no formal program that I know of. Okay. Now there are at least three or four program directors in this room so they, they, uh, they can kind of approach you but we're actually looking for that trying to figure out how to Resolve that because that's a need. It's a it's a real issue, uh, and we have uh, some. We have at least one physician's assistant uh, in this room who, because there are no other surgeons, does really good surgery. Uh, and so, yes, sir. Will um, Trainey,
2: come on out. I just finished the connection up with Mayo, and Mayo's is going to be sending me nine practice residents also. I got nine ORs, got eight, eight residents max, and I rotate them out. So.
0: We're, at, uh, we're in Cameroon. Yeah, it's a horrible place. It sometimes gets as low as 72, sometimes as hot as 76. It's a miserable place. Okay. You're suffering for the Lord there, let me tell you. It's one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen. Yes, Dave. Yeah, I just did some rough calculations. You'll be exactly the same age in six years no matter what you do, so you might as well do what you want to do, okay? All right. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Uh, is there
2: anything in particular that you can do to keep ties with the program that you're coming from as you go
0: into a career? That you mean functions? in your... Re- your residency and keeping connections? Yeah, that's largely up to you uh, how much you do that. That's one of the reasons why I recommend that kind of that post residency one year, two year junior faculty thing and keeping that up and that helps, you know, make that tie in a little tighter and give your job to work back. Um, and of course, if you send invitations out there, occasionally you'll have somebody come out that, you know, that makes a difference. And uh, one of the reasons I think that many of our colleagues in.